millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. So um, ultimately, NinjaVan addressed a real need, right? I think that's a really important thing for startups and for entrepreneurs to, to recognize, right? You can't solve problems that don't exist. And people won't, solve, won't value solutions that don't solve a problem. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Bait Yong. Welcome to episode 37 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is brought to you by Payroll Hero. A time, attendance, scheduling, HR, and payroll solution for Philippine companies. If you're new to the show, you just came right on time because it is our season finale for season one. And prior to this episode, there are 36 other episodes that literally outline what this podcast is all about. And it's all about sharing the hustle of startup founders, startup people, and excellent individuals in their own craft. And today we're celebrating a big milestone because we're finally ending season one after 37 episodes and a lot and hours and hours and hours of stories and learnings. But before we start, I'd like to give you a heads up again that this episode contains adult language, so make sure there are no kids around because we're about to end the season with a bang. Because today we'll be talking to Martin Koo, the country head of NinjaVan, to talk about the hustle behind running NinjaVan here in the Philippines. And be prepared to take notes because this is a jam-packed episode 
I made sure that we're gonna give you a really good one before we end this season because Martin is gonna share a ton of learnings that a lot of you guys can learn from. But before that, we'll take a step back on how he started out his career being the son of Ernest Koo, the president of Globe, and how he did not use that card to carve out a niche in the career on his own. First, by interning at Globe, even though he, his father technically runs that company, he had to earn his stripes. Second, after he went to Zalora and became a media buyer doing something that he did not do in Globe as a marketing guy, and how he climbed up the ranks to become the marketing director, the head of marketing in Zalora when he left. After that, he also shared the transformation that he had to go through being a creative and how he pivoted to being a marketer and ultimately someone who can run a business from the ground up. Next, he will also share how he used all of those learnings to run Hook when he jumped ship and then ultimately how he jumped ship and entered the van by joining Ninja Van as its country head. And this is where it gets interesting because he's gonna do a deep dive on how he does his marketing, the type of metrics and tools he uses, all the way through telling us the story of the early struggles and challenges his whole team had to go through to put Ninja Van where it is now. And lastly, he's gonna share with us a ton of advice that all of you hustlers can apply in your own hustle as we end this first season so if you're ready to learn the hustle behind running ninja van let's begin this episode right now welcome the latest episode of the Hustle Share podcast. As promised in the last few episodes, we're going to have a bang for our season finale. And today, I'm going to live up to that because today we have someone really special in the episode to, to, to share his hustle with us. And I, I suggest you really tune in very careful, carefully because this is going to be a special episode because today, we're going to be talking to the country head. Is that correct? Country head, right? Country head. All right. Of Ninja Van, Mr. Martin Koo. Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. I hope I can live up to that intro. Oh, dude. You, this, this, again, this is going to be very interesting because I know you've been through a lot. You've hustled through a lot. And, and you have, you've done so much in just a short amount of time. And we, we've met before. We were both doing something different yeah. now. And... I've been reading about you and what you've been doing, and I'm very impressed with what, of your hustle. But uh, as, as, as we usually do, uh, Martin, what's your hustle? So uh, as the country head of Ninja Van, mm -hmm. I've been responsible for the launch of the business in this market. I was mm -hmm. hired out of Singapore to set up the company in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So I was first guy, first boots on ground. I've mm -hmm. uh, been doing this for, for just over three years now. My, wow. my, my third year anniversary was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, shoot. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And yep. uh, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough to see the business grow from you mm -hmm. know, zero to, to, to more than 8,000 delivery personnel across the country. So wow. the scale is really getting there, and it's becoming a really, really exciting business. Yeah. Um, as far as my role 
own the business and you right. know, kind of what my hustle is, um, it's it's really evolved, I would say, you know, right. from being that kind of launch guy, being yeah. the guy that has to kind of do everything and, mm-hmm. and, and cover a little bit of everything to being somebody who can kind of step back and, and, right. and, and really manage a management team that's that's doing an amazing job of right. building this business across the Philippines. And I would say the way you scale this up, it li- really lives up to your name like a ninja. <laughs> you just creeped in in the night and then boom, 8,000. Holy yeah. shit, that. That's big. And especially in the logistics game here in the Philippines, in the region, this is the key now because a lot of what e-commerce, especially the backbone of e-commerce in, in the whole region, at least here in the Philippines too, won't happen without logistics. Yep. But let's take a step back, Martin, real quick. I just want to understand because, you know, you, you have a very interesting background. You're still young. How old are you now? Like. 30. I'm 30. 30, bro. I'm older than you. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. But... Um, you you you've done so much, absolutely. But I want to step step back, and 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 ride the hustle share time machine that we we call it. Sure. And how you started doing hustle or your earliest account of hustling, considering that again, let's just call a spade a spade. We all know it, and for yeah. those people who don't know it, Martin is the son of Mr. Ernest Kudo. Like he's like our like uh, in, in our Mont Rushmore of executives. Like holy shit, it's <laughs> Ernest, right? When I bump into like holy crap, I, I, I my knees shake. Like holy shit, this this guy is <laughs> no. Because in terms of execution, right? He's he's, he's very you know. I've I've had Minette Navarrete on the yep. show where he spoke highly of Ernest and whatnot. But how is it growing up for you? And how did you re- have that hustle gene in you? Yeah, um, you know I think the experience I had growing up around my dad certainly mm-hmm. wasn't the experience I think most people think where, you know, I was being mentored at somebody's knee and, and right. you know, I was being primed for this moment for my, for my entire life. Right? right. I think the reality is um, I wasn't a great son for the majority of my, okay. my young life, at least not in terms of living up to, to my dad's expectations on the right. business front. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to, you know, go through a variety of different careers growing up. Right. I started out with like Egyptologists when I was like six. I went through, wow. uh, yeah, I went through lawyer in the mid, like middle teenagers. Wow. And finally I landed on comic book writer somewhere, you know, oh, when wow. I was like in the late teens. Right. Okay. So I, I went through college and, 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 you know, high school really thinking I was going to try to be a writer and, and okay. really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. I studied English when I was in undergrad mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the entire time I was finding ways to, to, um, you know, stay, stay connected to that. Absolutely. Um, Ultimately, uh, my dad also really pushed me hard in terms of staying in touch with business and trying right. to expose me to different aspects of business. Mm-hmm. So he um, connected me with, with with different consulting opportunities, with right. banking opportunities, just to give me that kind of exposure. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I hated it. You know, I hated every minute of it. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, it really wasn't until after college that I realized that one, no one was going to pay me to write. So Absolutely. that was a big right, thing. Right, and then right. I realized, realizing I have, ha, you know, have, having to get paid. Yeah. Um, the bigger thing, in fact, was actually interning for my dad at Globe. Ah. And so after school, once I interned at Globe, um, not directly with my dad, but mm-hmm. rather with the, their mobile data team. Yeah. So this is still back in BlackBerry Day, man. You oh, know, wow. So, so before, BBM. Yeah, Rest exactly. in peace. <laughs> it's officially dead. Yeah. But, right. it's a, but it's a really interesting you know, product. And okay. I think the way that that product evolved is super unique. Yeah. So BlackBerry was always this kind of walled garden, right. right, where you could kind of dichotomize the internet and sell right. it to people in chunks. Mm-hmm. And that's the perfect way to package internet services here in the Philippines, you right. know, where, where, where people don't fully understand, mm-hmm. uh, at least at the broad market yet, as far as what the, the, the capability is, what the potential right. is, and why should you Just pay for Just a this. glimpse, basically, yeah. of what it was yeah, now. exactly, right. exactly. So, you know, working with mobile data, working right. and, and selling these data plans ultimately kind of brought me to marketing, which was my first love on the business Got side. It. That's and the pivotal point for exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. But did you ever experience, like, I'm pretty sure, because I've seen this, my mom used, uh, is working with the Ayala Group as well. Yeah. But she worked 
worked for 17 years in Ayala Foundation. Mm -hmm. So I, she, she, everything she thinks is Ayala. Yeah. Like, oh, that's Ayala, anak. Oh, yeah. that's Ayala. <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it, mom. Thank you. Right. right. So my playground growing up was Ayala Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Almost broke a few dioramas there. Thank uh -oh. God I didn't. All right. But I saw, she always talks about this, that, you know, the, the, the children of the Zobels will always intern somewhere. And they didn't get a hall pass. Mm -hmm. They didn't get special treatment. Was it the same for you when you interned at Globe? Uh, I mean, I think very much so. And I would say up to right. even even to today, you know, yeah. my dad's a big believer in meritocracy. I yeah. think that he's built that in the global organization. Mm -hmm. It's something I really, uh, you know, I'm proud of for within Absolutely. him. It's something yeah. I try to emulate here at Ninjavan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ultimately, he threw me into a tough team with a tough, fantastic manager. Nice. Um, and, you know, I, I loved working for uh, Joanna Africa at the time. Um, yeah. She was a fantastic manager. Mm -hmm. um, the And she really, you know, in terms of where I cut my stripes, it's really there. You know, yeah. um, she, she didn't, no free passes, everything was earned yeah um and she helped me find things to love about marketing right and what were those roles so you said marketing coming from writing now to marketing what was those the, like like you know your your trial by fire moments that you're like all right i'll shove you in here i don't care who you are but what are those things like yeah. all right yeah uh this is the hustle now yeah so so you know i think uh working with the mobile data team or mds uh over at globe mm -hmm. um was really a kind of a foundational experience for me, right? Mm -hmm. Both in terms of understanding tech and understanding digital products right. and, and what consumers like and appreciate mm -hmm. about them. But equally importantly, I think was how I studied performance in this space, it's right? Performance, yeah. okay. So ultimately, you know, although I wasn't as, you know, as much of a quant guy coming into my career, right. I really fell in love with the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this kind of cause and effect uh, with, with, with telco plans, right? Mm -hmm. Where when you put them out the next day in real time, we could monitor uh, take up, right? We could monitor mm -hmm. transactions. And ultimately that's a direct measure of the effectiveness of your marketing efforts. Absolutely. So I found a way to kind of reconcile the English background and the writing component with this, with the creative aspect with this, mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's very similar to me. You know, it's the manipulation of language, of communication, right. to influence how people think, perceive products or perceive right. a storyline about your product. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's what drives, you know, believability and, and brand credibility. Got it. What do you think were like if looking back, what were those like like your 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 marquee that's like all right, I did this shit. I was an intern and this there was the fruit of my all, all my hard work in Globe yeah. that's like that you remember. Uh, you know, so the very first campaign I worked on was for a product called BB Max. And this BB was the Max. yeah, this was the first Blackberry plan oh. that I think didn't have uh, like an internet restriction, it was like only data on oh, Blackberry. Shoot. Right? Wow. So, wow. Um, you know, I wasn't really involved in like the, the production component of right. like the marketing, but you know, I remember sitting there with the team and pouring over uh, you know, newspaper uh, copy at, at, at like two in the morning oh, wow. trying to figure out you know what we were gonna This uh, is in the, this. in the old pioneer the office. Old pioneer the rat infested one. The rat infested. <laughs> You know, Pioneer Highlands yeah, office. Shredder is the the, the, the gang leader on that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I remember we worked so damn hard on this thing. Right, really picked right. about language. You know, which right. image of the models we're going to use. All this mm -hmm. stuff, and it was that kind of minutia, right? Of of ah. of you know, like all these little intricacies and yeah. how that can potentially play a role in terms of how everybody perceives the product. Right. That is awesome. Um, and you know, the next day when we the the, the paper ran, mm -hmm. you know, we see the ad. I was so proud. Right. Nice. You know, like I clipped the thing. And then I'm checking the numbers constantly, refreshing as you know frequently as I can. Wow. And of course, nothing. You know, no, take up was marginal. You know, right, uplift right. was marginal. Right. But that kind of created this obsession within me around mm. the campaign to find ways to kind of modulate, improve, and 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 try to fix it. Right. Got find it. out what was broken about it. Okay. And that's really what what I carried forward into my digital marketing background. Got right. It. 
digital marketing is more of the same. You know, it's cause and effect, right? You put an ad out, you see what happens. Um, you have even more granularity in terms of where drop-off is taking place. Mm -hmm. So you can get very, very technical and very, very quantitative as far as how you're managing Correct. performance. Absolutely. Now, what was that point where you're at? Uh, after Globe, uh, that that's where you um, have to step out. Yeah. Was that a scary thing? Because now you, you have to step out and you ended up, this is where I met you, yeah. in Zalora. That's right. right. How did you get the Zalora opportunity and how, what, was, what, it was, what was it like when you took it up? So um, Globe was never really a long-term option for me, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Ernest made that clear to me as well right. from day one, right? You know, right. You, there's, there's no career yeah, there's for There's no here. son for me. Exactly, yeah, you exactly. don't have a son pass yeah. here. And this, this isn't a family business. Correct. Right? You can't so, inherit it. <laughs> exactly. I just, I just work here, right? Right, you right. Know, so so I, I never had any misconceptions about whether sure. or not I was going to build a career at Globe. Okay. Um, you know, I was really fortunate that a team of consultants walked in the door about halfway through my internship. Okay. A team of really smart BCG guys uh, oh. go by the name of Brian Koo and Paolo Campos. There you go. And by the way, a shout out to Brian Koo for recommending. Where it's like, oh, so I was like, oh, Brian, I need someone for my finale. He's like, I know a guy. He's just <laughs> right there. He post pointed at the office like, Lafuerza? That's our old Groupon office before. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Martin. Oh, shoot, yes, Martin. I know Martin. It's like, yeah. yeah. So thank you, Brian, for, for hooking us up. Right. So you met Brian, a, BC, a couple of uh, more guys. So who are yeah. Paolo, was it? Paolo Campos, right. who you know, also went on to partner with Brian to start Solora. Right. So, you know, ultimately um, found great friendship with these guys, okay. uh, had got, had met them a little bit when I interned at BCG before that. Got it. And, um, you know, reuniting with them at Globe and working with them at Globe was okay. also a really kind of compelling experience, right? right? And, and being able to work closely with these okay. really smart people with a very different perspective on, on mobile data, okay. you know, that added a lot, I think, in terms of opening our worldview. Yeah. So when Brian and, and, and Paolo uh, were approached to start Zalora together, right. um, you know, they, they tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on here. Do you? Do you want to come yeah. check it out? Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, I was still being kind of aimless and, and right. being the, the snot-nosed college kid I was. Right. Um, <laughs> and you weren't into fashion, were you? I wasn't. But, okay. you know, the, the, way, the hook for them was they really knew was they knew I was really into sneakers. Right. And they said, hey, do you want to come do sneaker buying for us? Oh, like, shoot. Sounds, yes. Checks over stripes all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Nike guy, so <laughs> I love my Air Maxes. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I've been, uh, you know, I was really excited about the opportunity of being right. able to work with the brands. And mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be really cool and really oh, sexy. Oh, dude, yes. Um, and in your 20s, this is like the sexiest thing sure, you can do. For sure. Right. And there yeah. was a lot of hot girls too in that office. I, for I sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, fringe benefits working yes. at Solora. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ultimately what I realized was, you know, I hated buying. I, you know, buying wasn't for me. I wasn't good at it. Got I didn't it. understand it. I don't have particularly good fashion sense, you know, okay. so I wasn't adding much on that level. Okay. And, um, you know, I think that this is kind of where the hustle component comes back in. Right. right? You know, I was I was you know scrambling to stay in the company, but at Got the it. same time, you know, I didn't want to stay in the job I was in. Mm -hmm. So I would you know work a whole day upstairs with the with the uh, buying team, and then okay. I'd, I'd go down and I'd, I'd tap Paul on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you know, is there anything I can do on the mark for the marketing guys?" Ah. And you know, after a while, I, I I you know felt like I had contributed enough to ask for a for a, a transfer, and and, and Pal was kind Got enough it. to to accommodate me. And that's the beauty about startups, right? Because in a normal corporate setup. Good luck trying to get that. For sure. Right. And what was like now? So what's the difference being in a globe environment where though it's very, very, you know, uh, forward thinking and fast paced still, but in a startup, what, what's the difference now in cultures and how you did that and how you're able to now be part of marketing? Yeah, I, I think um, the biggest difference for me is the amount of impact that any one person can make. Amen. Right. Yes. Even an intern is 100%, pivotal. 100%. Right. So, you know, I think based on my corporate experience as well, internships right. that I did, mm -hmm. your main job is not to screw up. 
right? Yeah. As long as you screw up, the company don't screw up. Rather, the company's yeah. going to continue to draw revenue. <laughs> correct, may correct. not, it doesn't grow like right. in, a, in a huge way, but it also won't lose you know a massive amount of market yes. share, amount of money, right. and that's all that people really care about, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I think my dad tells this tells this to me best sometimes. Right. When, you know, when he when he when he explained this to me, he said, right. what, "What people in corporate are really good at are not getting fired." Yes. Right. And in startups, you know, I think you can't have that mentality, right? Because your survival is not certain, mm-hmm. and if you don't make big moves. Um, the, 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 the possibility of coming into the office the next day and, and the lights not turning on are, right. are, are pretty high, yeah. right? So you're playing for survival. You're playing for, you're playing to win, right? Exactly. You're playing to change the market. You're, you're swinging big, right? You yeah. know, you're not, you're, you're not just like, all right, let's take an account, like a nice curveball. No, right. you're going for defenses on this one. Totally. Every single time. Totally. And majority of the time you're going to miss. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. True. But uh, now when you were in marketing, how was that like? Because when I met you back then, we were trying to do it. You were very aggressive. Yeah. And that's what I liked about what you're doing. And what are those things that you remember that were really key? On, on doing this Allura opportunity that you did and how you were able to grow in that role. Yeah. So, you know, I think Rocket doesn't have the best reputation anymore mm-hmm. as far as startups, right? Yeah. But um, culturally, it may have been a little bit toxic. Right. But I think more importantly... Dude, you the, grow in that shit, yeah. I swear. Yeah. yeah. And right. it's 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 a tough environment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, t- hard, hard high-pressure environments, right. you know, really push people to perform. Yep. And I think it, it, you know, unfortunately does separate the weak from the strong, mm-hmm. right? So the attrition rate's phenomenally high. The burnout right. rate's phenomenally high. But I think the folks that make it through the other end are, are rock stars. You know, Absolutely. they're out of stone, right? Right. So I really loved that part about the experience. You know, mm-hmm. it was tough. There were days I you know, came to the office and felt like crying. You know, I was exhausted. <laughs> but at the same time, there were days where, you know, the rewards are so material and what yes. you've accomplished is so material, right? Right. So for me, that was probably the largest stage of personal growth that, that I've had throughout my career. Yeah. Um, you know, even including this experience at Ninjaban, as, 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 as enriching as it's been. But transforming myself from that, you know, again, creative type or somebody who tried to try, was trying to be a writer right. before this into somebody who was really trying to make a business work was a big yeah. mental shift for me. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a break and let's t- talk about your next step now, how you're able to jump from being the guy in Zalora and marketing and whatnot and how to how you got to this ninja van and how you got into the van. This sure. sounds very pornographic, but it's not. <laughs> but again, I'll see you guys. Uh, let's go and uh, I'll talk about that in the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Martin Cool of Ninja Van. But before Ninja Van, Martin, you did something else after Zalora. Yep. What was the turning point? It's like, all right, was it the culture? Again, you said there was a dog eat dog, uh, you know, environment in Zalora. You said you needed, uh, did you need a change? How did you jump from Zalora to what you did next? Sure. So you know, I think um, when you're in a startup environment, right, especially right. if you're coming in a little bit later in the game, yeah, it's always hard to uh, I think recover the value, right? Because right. you're compromising a lot. You're compromising salary, you're compromising quality of life, mm. right? And then ultimately, you're doing that in, in favor of playing the startup lottery. Right? right, and it really amounts to the amount of skin in the game that you have. Right. So essentially, the, the position I, I reached at at, at Zalora was I arrived at a managerial position, a, mm-hmm. a quite senior manager, managerial position within the company. Got it. Um, but I had you know kind of worked my way through the organization. Mm-hmm. So as a result, um, you know the equity and things like that that mm-hmm. I was getting were, were being assigned later in my career. Ah. And I was at a crossroads where I had to decide, you know, hey, do I want to do this for another four years and, right. and, and invest points or, 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 or what? Right. Or do I want to try something else? And ah. ultimately, the, the, the hook opportunity happened to find me right in the middle of this decision. Right. Um, Zolar was an amazing business and right. still is. And it, you know, it was an amazing team. Dude. But yeah. the, the, the challenge for me was the scope wasn't going to evolve much, right? Even if yes. the company is going to grow a lot in terms of what is really within country Got scope. It. Wouldn't, would, wouldn't change, right? right? And one of those things that I really wanted to get more exposure to was performance digital marketing, right? So ah. paid media. Um, CRM, website management, that mm-hmm. was mostly the local discipline, mm-hmm. partnerships, BD. Um, but performance media was always centralized out mm-hmm. of uh, Singapore. And that Got was it. always something I wanted more contact with. Okay. So um, Peter Bithos, who's the incredible CEO of Hook, um, right. was reached out to me. Uh, we had worked together a little bit during my internship at Globe, right. and um, you know he he knew I was doing work working on marketing mm-hmm. out of out of uh, Philippines, and he right. was looking for somebody to head his acquisition team. Got it. So coming into to Hook was a really cool opportunity, Got really it. incredible company, really cool product. Absolutely. right. It's probably the product that I feel most personally collected. Ah, to. really? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's movies, movies and TV, right? Absolutely. So you know what, what's what's better than that? And that was a very tough. Market to be in. It is. There's yeah. so much competition, especially now. Yeah. Netflix, iFlix, name it, whatever. Even uh, the other networks are doing their own shit yeah. now. For sure. Right? And how how did you blossom in that opportunity? And again, by this time, you're not a juvenile anymore. Yeah. You've yeah. had your own game in terms yeah. of marketing. But I'll ask you first. At this point, what was your go-to strategy when you're... Let's talk a deep dive about your marketing you know, your marketing playbook now. Uh, sure. And that's what it is. When you do something now as marketing, what are the first things that you look for and what's the outcome that you want to do? And any uh, those things you do in between. Sure. So I, I want to talk about a campaign that did at Delora that kind of illustrates some, or a key lesson that, that, that I was taught, right? Okay. Um, 
you know, the, the game in Zalora was always uh, customer acquisition cost, right? You know, right. how efficient how, can I spend each dollar to acquire a customer? Yeah, right? CACs. CACs. Right. And, um, you know, the traditional view of this was from performance media, right? I would spend, you know, X many dollars on digital ads to yeah. bring, you know, X many customers in. Okay. Um, so when we started, when I, where I started marketing was, was in the partnerships team, BD. Right. And the goal was, can we beat digital CAC, right? Ah. At the time, the share, you know, customer contribution share of this was like, you know, 0.1%. It was totally yeah. marginal. Right. And when we started the team, you know, we were running around going to restaurants, cafes, right. handing out vouchers and flyers, yes. right? So Humble codes, a, whatever you know, those are, right? Yeah, a, d- yeah. a different kind and less efficient kind of hustle, I would say. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, after doing this for a while, I started thinking like, you know, hey, what what are we doing wrong here that this is, is not happening, right? Because yeah. every unit that you, you, you dispatch has a cost. Mm-hmm. The cost of your time is, is, is expensive. And I started thinking about how do I find partners that have similar interests or that I can align our, our goals together, yeah. right? And ultimately, the, the um, area we landed on was the banks, right? Banks. So banks wow. wanted their credit card holders to spend more. Mm. And more specifically, they wanted these credit card holders to spend online. Right. Right. So there's naturally this kind of synergistic objective. Right. And then when you pair that with the distribution leverage that the bank has, right, and the the, the very appealing use case that Zalora, you know, is as the top fashion site. (laughs) Right. Correct. Yeah, it comes together. So, you know, the next evolution of this was let's work with the banks, right? Ah. And then it started with very simple stuff. Use your credit card on Zalora and get Mm -hmm. X percent off, right? And we would find that, you know, the the, the customer return was Mm -hmm. interesting. But not, it was also kind of offset by, by revenue degradation, right? Because your existing loyal customers were also able to avail of these kinds of discounts, Got it. right? So the question became, you know, okay, now how can I qualify the customer? How can I, how can I be smarter about how we distribute right. um, uh, discounts, right? Mm-hmm. And we landed on a campaign that we wound up calling Golden Ticket, right? Golden Ticket. So this basically was like looping in the same kind of discount distribution mechanism okay. alongside gamification, um, yes. you know, ideas and marketing. Rewards, right? whatever, right. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of money in Zalora. Mm. Um, I couldn't say that, you know, everybody gets a massive prize, Got it. but I could scrape together enough budget for, say, like a 50,000 right. peso shopping spree, right, which mm. is still pretty attractive, right? It's a lot mm. of stuff on Zalora. It's a lot of Nikes. And um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, you know, the, but what we found is that even though we didn't change or modulate the discount amount, right. The, the gamification aspect right. of how the discounts are being distributed right. increase the level of engagement and the level of perceived value around mm-hmm. the discount, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that you, you know, if I, if I come over to you and I say, hey, Ron, here's 20% off your next buy, right. like, okay, great. Yeah. But if I say, hey, Ron, you just won 20% off. Suddenly, you know, that kind of tone, that that, under, that, that, that perception changes, right? Of like, wow, That's where valuable. the writing background, I guess, comes in. Because, you know, those words, it's not what you say, sure. it's how you say it. Sure, yeah, right? for sure. And then, right. you know, the presentation became, a, you know, a big deal. We found mm. ways to reskin this back end that we built. Got so it. ultimately, it was the same kind of random number generator right. in the back that was determining what prize you get. Mm. But ultimately, the front end would change. We'd have a slot machine. We'd have a spinning ah. wheel. We'd have like a, you know, a hidden picture right, game, right? right? So we really played around with, you know, what kind of uh, themes were very interesting for our customers, what kind of games were fun for them to play, and what would keep our our banking partners interested and excited about these different promotions. Exactly. But there's always that that one thing on the side that, you know, no matter how good the campaign is, it always has a lifespan. Sure. Right. And how do you know it's time to move on? And, you know, like, for example, okay, that works. Like for us in in Party File, I remember, like one thing I did well was working with Globe as well. Right and um, in Party File before there was a big event. It's yeah. called uh, I forgot uh, 
I forgot the raid, but it was a raid. <laughs> and it was uh, Unleash. Unleash was the name. Okay. And the only way you can get into the event, and this is the right time when we launched Party File, it was through our app. We, we give Globe the exposure and whatnot through the app and uh, for, for whatever they were doing, but the only way you can get in is through my app. Yep. And now from zero to 20,000 in one week downloads, we had real zero marketing budget, we right. didn't even have funding, it worked. But we couldn't play that game for a long time. This only yeah. has a short window of opportunity. For you, when do you know it's time to move on and how do you replicate that success to another campaign? Sure. So I think um, you know fatigue is a huge problem, right? And yes. when you keep communicating the, the same audience, you will see diminishing returns with time. True. Right? And that's that's what I really love about digital marketing, right, is, is, is one, you can control the number of exposures that you get okay. to any particular user or impression. Right. Um, you can qualify, you know, who you're, mm -hmm. who you're sh distributing to, so that gives mm -hmm. you a lot more control. But, mm -hmm. but to address the question, I think, more directly, mm -hmm. um, I, I think it really comes down to the measurables, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and when you're working with tech, that's really your competitive advantage mm -hmm. is, is better transparency, better visibility in terms mm -hmm. of what's happening with your business. That's something that we often apply here at NinjaVan in terms of um, just having better transparency across our entire network and okay. then that allowing us to make smarter and better decisions about okay. how we handle parcels. Mm -hmm. In a marketing environment, it's, it's very similar, right? You'll know mm. what the quality of each impression is based on the engagement factors that, that, that show on your website or in the app or, or, or in the promotion that you're right. running. Um, it can be as simple as just understanding what your conversion rates are, right? Got it. So if every time you know you do a campaign, so you, metrics, yeah, metrics, really? right? got it. But is there a tool that you like using more than anything? I mean, there's a lot of CRMs. You can name it, whatever, right? But that that uh, that made you, you know, the the rock star marketer or whatever the 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 head that you are. Because at the end of the day, if you, you, you the metrics are always there. Yeah. But if you're not funneling them the right way, and you're not um, making uh, able to make the right decisions in a fast manner where you can execute a campaign. It's whatever data, like it's sh sh it's it's shit, right? But yeah. for you, was is there a tool that you like to use a lot and whatnot yeah. that, that uh, works for you a lot? It's gonna sound really vanilla, okay. but um, Google Analytics, there you uh, go. GA is a fantastic tool. Mm -hmm. I think you know the Facebook uh, suite of business tools is also fantastic. Dude, right. Every, and they keep improving it yeah, too. Oh yeah. my God. Right. There's a reason these are the two best ad platforms in the world, right? right? And people always try to get fancy, I think, with other ad tech. There's a lot of right. cheap ad tech that people will try to sell you that, you mm. know, they'll try to convince you it adds a ton of value or right. smarter or that our inventory is cheaper. Okay. But the reality is you have to go where the user leverage is, mm. right? And di digital uh, marketing is empowered by the richness with within which you can profile any given customer or any given impression, Got right? It. And I believe that Google and Facebook do a better job of profiling these customers because of the level and quality of interactions happening on those platforms. Correct. Right? Google with the richness on search and content consumption. Yes. Um, Facebook with their richness in terms of social and, and interest-based consumption. Right. So I think they're both really fascinating platforms, extremely powerful. Right. I think unless you're a huge organization, you almost don't need to look you know, much further than that, Absolutely. right? You should be able to find a lot of value in these two core platforms. Absolutely. Now, okay, let's talk about Hook real, real quick. And what did you do there? And how did you jump to being country head now sure. of the ninjas with their vans? <laughs> so, yeah, how did the Hook, what are the things that you did in Hook now? You're, dude, the stuff that you just said now is just like, well, mind-blowing. I've never had that in the podcast. Very, very cool. But with the, knowing that now, what are those things that you instantly now execute on Hook and then on the way to Ninja Van? 
So um, I, was, I was very much a digital marketing guy at right. Hook, right? And I was able to go quite hardcore in terms of my digital focus, right? right. So I wasn't doing partnerships. Right. Um, I wasn't doing BD work anymore. Right. It was really just how can we win customers in this digital channel? Funnel game. Right. The top of yeah. the funnel. Yeah, right. exactly. And, you know, I think infrastructure was key. Um, yeah. the, the, the platform at the time wasn't built to, to really administer digital marketing in a, right. in a, in a big way. Um, so getting that set up was one of the big challenges. Right. And I think one of the really interesting aspects of this was how this product is structured, right? Mm. Because the quality of a conversion isn't determined until after this kind of 30-day trial, right? right? So you know when you sign up on Netflix or whatever, you get yeah. the first 30 days free. Freemium, right? the freemium yeah. model, right? The worst kind of customer is the customer that signs up, watches 10 hours of content a day, and then drops off on the 30th yeah, day, right? Because all costs. You paid for marketing, you paid for content yep. delivery, you paid for the, the content he's watching, right. Right. and you get nothing back, right? right? Like went to a marriage and they divorced you after 30 days. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> after spending all your money. Yeah, right? exactly. So, right. so, you know, it was a really interesting challenge to try to understand, you know, how can we qualify these customers better? Mm. Um, how do we go a little bit deeper in terms of our customer segmentation? Right. What are potential signals that this is a sharky customer, if yeah. you will, that's unlikely and to And then incentivize those ones that will convert. Right. Right. So so ultimately, your feedback loop is, hey, if this is converting at an efficient clip, I want to spend more money on it. Right. Uh, but when you don't get that con that true conversion signal until 30 days later, how do you link back? Uh, right. So hell, Mary. Right. Yeah. At that tough. time. It's tough. Right. It's a really tough marketing challenge. And Got to it. see how these guys have attacked that challenge even since I've left has been really interesting, really compelling. Nice. Um, how they distribute the product, the successes they've had across geographies is really compelling as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you know, I think I, I spent about a year with that that team to right. to kind of cover the the, the transition as well. Okay. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to connect with the Ninja Van uh, leadership team. So, okay, so a right. colleague at Hook was was kind enough to connect me with our CEO here at Ninja Van. Nice. Uh, you know, amazing entrepreneur named named uh, Chungwen Lai. Right. Uh, Chungwen actually started in fashion ecom too. Which oh, was, was it? Okay, yeah. cool. So the heritage behind Ninja Van is really kind of an interesting story. Okay. They, they they were doing a custom menswear business online. Oh. So you know, the idea is you enter your Dimensions. Right, they, right, they have, right. Uh, you know, manufacturing out in China. They right. Produce custom suits in a very fast turnaround. Right. And then ship it directly to you. Right. Wow. The challenge, though, was, or, or what they realized the challenge was, is that you know maybe men don't really need that much more, many more suits. Correct. But they were having a really hard time getting their stuff delivered. Mm. So eventually, they start thinking more about how can we solve that problem. Got and it. they start pivoting some of the smart tech more towards building technology geared around logistics. Got Eventually, it. start doing their own deliveries, and it goes okay. from you know Chungwen driving you know the, the, the car around himself and, and delivering right. suits to people, to the community asking him, maybe you can deliver some of our stuff. To eventually this go. becoming a more compelling business, right? Absolutely. So um, ultimately, Ninja Van addressed a real need, right? Okay. I think that's a really important thing for startups and for entrepreneurs to, to okay. recognize, right? You can't solve problems that don't exist. And people won't solve, won't value solutions that don't solve a problem. Absolutely. Right? So in this way, I think it, it was a really kind of compelling story for me to hear. But being a marketing guy, I was you know dramatically unconvinced. I took this this interview as a, <laughs> as a courtesy. And, okay. You know, I, I wound up being really blown away by Chung Wen, right? And just Got his it. vision for this business, his vision for this product, okay. and ultimately the the level of, of really empathy and understanding that he had for the plights of these these SMEs and these 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 startups that were trying to do e-commerce, but okay. are really struggling because of logistics. When I'd run a campaign at Zalora, one of okay. the most frustrating things for me was you blow up the numbers 
and then you know logistics drops the ball or operations drops the ball uh, um, right. somewhere along the way. Right. You know, all, so all the like best a fumble in football, <laughs> like yeah, someone fumbled yeah. the ball. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So 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 all of this kind of efficient digital marketing that you may right. have been able to generate gets wasted. It's a leaky bucket downstairs. Yeah. If you right. can't if yeah. you can't convert the COD sale, right? Mm-hmm. And you know I can tell you definitively that the longer it takes to deliver a product the lower the likelihood of acceptance on the COD level is. Absolutely. So it's a right. huge, huge problem, right? right. Um, the other aspect of it was, I think there, there was this kind of really monopolistic behavior to local logistics, right? Okay. Where there are certain territories that, you know, you couldn't cover profitably unless you were of a certain size and you couldn't get to a certain size unless you covered certain areas, right? Yeah. So it was kind of this vicious cycle of-, of Yeah, it's like a chicken and egg right? sort of, right? Yeah, so some, somehow all roads led back to kind of a core set of incumbents that yeah. dominated the market and, you know, were the only people that connect these isolated parts of the Philippines to, right. to e-commerce, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, from, from, from a client perspective, coming from the Zalora perspective, right. you know, this was always something you just have to deal with, facts of life, right? right. But as a challenger brand, mm. can we do this differently, right? Can we can we find a way to solve that problem or connect that region in a way that 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 makes sense for our business, but okay. also is sustainable, okay. right? So so ultimately, I think the idea of what we could do with this technology and the, the way that this technology is designed is so interesting and unique that I really felt like, hey, there's something here, right? There's a problem that I can solve. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that problem and. You know, I think I can add some value here. Got it. But the role that you got thrust into is more than just marketing now. For sure. Right? And how did you now when you came in, then was it when you came in they didn't have a presence here yet or whatnot? You built the the from the ground up, was 100%. it? Holy shoot. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's hard. Yeah. That's putting another startup thing and whatnot coming from the marketing hat. Now you yeah. gotta t- talk about HR, PR, which is by the way, she uh, one of your colleagues are here watching over if we're gonna <laughs> fuck something up, right? <laughs> but how was that experience like? But let's take a break first and let's sure. talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back for the final part of our season finale with uh, Martin Koo, and now the country head of Ninja Van. And prior to the break, you told us you built this from the ground up. Yeah. What were the biggest ch- changes or challenges you had, knowing that you you were used to wearing the marketing hat? You're, you're obsessed with numbers, obsessed with conversion, and now you got to build this whole thing from the ground up, like a startup. Yeah. As a country head, as the go-to guy here. What, were those, what was that experience like and uh, what were those learnings you learned uh, during that process? Uh, you know, I think first things first, setting up a business in the Philippines is not easy. Right? <laughs> um, yes, holy shit. Yeah, Ron, as holy, you know. Right. Oh, my God. It's, it's like a... It's like a, it's like a torture. It's torture, actually. Torture. Right. So they make you jump through a lot of hoops, right? right? And I think that in and of itself is a huge deterrent for entrepreneurs in this market. And, right. And you know, to all the entrepreneurs out there, I would encourage you guys, you know, fight through it, right? Dig, dig mm-hmm. deep, because ultimately it's kind of a one-time hurdle. Once you've 
gone through the the, the, the yep. burden of incorporation and all this stuff. That's um, the first hill. Yeah, that's, that's the it. first hill, right. right? And 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 I guarantee if you can't get past that hill, the the challenges of building your business are going to be much much harder, right? Exactly. So so you know ultimately. Getting started was one of the, the the hardest things, and not having that compass, not having the sense of direction of what you know, what do we do, right? right? Um, you know, I think we came in a little bit arrogant, assuming that hey, you know, we're <laughs> we're smart, we're sexy, we're tech, right, right. right? And you know, here's stodgy old incumbent logistics. Right? Why wouldn't you want to work with us? Right? Got it. And it turns out there's a lot of reasons why you want to work wouldn't want to work with the company. Like <laughs> okay. That, and what were those like? What were those? Because I'm pretty sure there's yeah. a lot of logistics already. Who are you know been there for decades? Yeah. Right, but for you, how did you penetrate that? Going that, all right? There was a lot of, you know, um, stress in terms of like, all right, resistance, not stress. Resistance, like, nope, you're the new guy. You gotta have your own your stress. Yep. What were those early stuff? And then, how did you build a team to battle that 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 big yep. big hurdle? So I think a couple of things here, right? You know, the the, the first thing I think is we failed a lot, okay. right? And I think failure is so important to any meaningful degree of sustainable success. Because we, we, it, it taught us a lot. It taught us all about our business. It taught us a lot about what we're good at. And ultimately, that helped shape the product that we have today, mm -hmm. right? So in the beginning, we were really desperate for business. So we were doing anything that we could to build our network, to right. try to figure things out. And, you know, one of those things was actually trying to partner with the incumbents, right? Ah. We realized that no one will ship with us if you have to, con you can only pick like three locations, right? If you can only pick yes. Metro Manila, Metro Subu, Metro Davao, right. it's more inconvenient to work with Ninja Van then if it, than it would be to just say, correct, correct. you know, these guys take it all. Right. right. But when we went around and talked to the incumbents, I think, you know, whether it's because of our funding heritage or because of how right, we're solving right. the problem, they really box us out. So we got priced out of working with the incumbents. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, as a result, we have to say, well, 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 damn, now we have to go cover the whole thing. Right. And ultimately, that pushed me into provincial coverage, right, and, and pushing it. into rural. And we started learning more things about our tech and the strengths of our tech. Okay. So Nintravan's really built on a series of asset light apps, right? Okay. So effectively, anybody with an Android handset and a motorcycle could okay. be a Ninja Van driver, the same way that they just could be like a, a Ninja. Driver, right? <laughs> you're, you're creeping, and the people yeah. don't know that's you, right? Yeah. And I guess the, I mean the, the big difference is these right. guys are they're on payroll, right? We're happy to hire them because we can yeah, guarantee yeah, them yeah. a full day's work, right? Mm. So it's not a crowdsourced model, right? But it's just very asset light in terms of tech base. That's nice. So basically, right. you know, we can open a station with one guy and a laptop. Got we can it. open a, 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 a you know fleet with with three guys with cell phones, basically, mm -hmm. right? And ultimately, what we realized is that that allows us to provide a, a, a very high level of consistency of service and integrity of experience okay. in rural provincial. Yes. The other value add, we are talking about data earlier. Right. Um, everything running through these apps right. uh, does two things. It dramatically simplifies decision making on behalf of the guys using this stuff. Okay. So smart, really good design allows you to, to basically run everything through a series of push-based instructions. Right. Instead of like, you know, looking at a run sheet of parcels and saying, what do I do next? Right. And right. figuring out, okay, this is my SOP at the doorstep. Right. Mm. Just like any good like onboarding app, okay. you know, when, when the guy goes through the experience the first time and when he, yeah. when he delivers the parcel, it's kind of a walled garden, right? There's right. there's a very clear set of, of expectations, right. a clear set of buttons to press, right? Mm. And you can't complete certain steps without fulfilling all of your obligations, right? Ah. So in that way, you have a lot of integrity in terms of the steps that are being taken within the app, right? The second piece is by having everything run through these apps and eliminating pen and paper, mm. you have now control of data. Right. Of so course, you, know, you see things, yeah. all uh, visibility is everything all the all the way to the last mile. Right. Right. Which is a challenge, especially in terms of, of, of logistics. I've seen so many companies even try to invest so much money because they don't have visibility on the last mile. They know their distribution channel, 
but the last mile is always the problem, yeah. which you now have in, in terms of and whatnot. Now, I, I want to know now, just looking at it as, as we're recording this, we're in your office and we were fantastic views. Like, oh my <laughs> God, I, I'm so jealous, but this is awesome. How did you build this team? Because this Rome wasn't built in a day. For sure. Right? How did you build this team? What were the key hires you made to, to make it as stable as it is? Because the, the grab funding that you got and all these funding, yeah. you know, won't happen if you have a flimsy core. Yeah. Right? The core is always the one that people invest in, especially in the early stages. What are those things that you did and uh, how did you grow this to what it is now? Yeah. So I want to give the team a little shine here because they've done an incredible job building right. building the business, right? Right. Um, you know, off the back of this, Ninja Van Philippines is actually the largest market for Ninja Van around the region. Um, one of the top performing markets across the group. And it's been a huge, huge uh, uh, upswing for us over the last year and a half. Got it. All of that's been enabled by the strength of the, the execution of this team. Um, ultimately, I think I draw on a lot of high, my hiring principles from uh, guys like Brian and Paolo who really right. had me participate in this environment at Solora. And that was one, you know, very merit-driven organization. Okay. There wasn't a lot of stacking of, of, you know, external hired guns on top of people. Yeah. There was a lot of kind of earn your stripes, right? Yeah. And, and, and kind of show everyone why you deserve to be here. Got it. Um, so ultimately, when we start, came into the market, we started thinking about the kind of team we wanted to build. Okay. Um, my partner, Alvin, who was from the regional team, and Got I, um, you know, we sat down, we were talking about it. And I said, you know, I, I'm really not that keen to, to try to, get the most experienced guy from the, the incumbent, right? And, and and try to stack in all these guys with 10 years, 20 years of logistics experience. Got it. Because when I looked at their products, that's not how we do business. That's not how NinjaVan operates, mm. right? So if you want someone to solve the problem fundamentally different, okay. get someone who thinks fundamentally differently. Ah. So we started looking out for more of kind of, again, people with this kind of hustle mentality with some edge, people yes. who are smart but potentially underutilized. Yes, um, and Brian said the same thing in this episode that, you know, he had to look for the uh, grab DNA people that would go out at 4 a.m., yeah. have drinks with the drivers and talk their language. Yeah. For you guys, what were those, that, that DNA that you look for, the ninja event? Do they have to have, like, ninjas? Do they have to have samurai? <laughs> Do they know yeah. how to jump into walls? <laughs> Throwing star skills? Right, uh, exactly, no. or shurikens, whatever. <laughs> so, um, no, I think for us it came down to really problem-solving ability, just okay. raw problem-solving ability. And a certain level of customer centricity. Got it. So, um, you know, when I do interviews, I, I I tend not to ask, you know, so so Ron, tell me about your your top three successes or whatever, right, how you got there. I'd rather, you know, walk you through sort of a case question. Got so it. one of the things I, I very commonly ask interviewees is, you know, let's say you're starting the business over, right? Okay. You're sitting in my chair. Okay. And you know, what what are the things that you would measure, right? What do you think? What do you think ah. is important? Because ultimately, that tells me what you think is important, right? Got it. Is it is it revenue, it's financials, right? Is it is it customer related metrics, success related metrics, right? Got Efficiency it. metrics, and ultimately, those indicators help me understand how you think, right? And that's regardless of the position you're hiring for. Almost regardless of the position I'm hiring for. Wow, wow! So really, you get to dissect the mindset of that person sitting across the table, because now you're putting them on the spot, which we will never be able to yep. predict. Regardless of like, oh, shoot, now I'm on the yeah. spot. And, and I mean, yeah. the reality is, again, we're solving problems in this market that have existed for a long time and haven't been addressed. Okay. We're taking a fundamentally different approach to solving those problems. Okay. And I don't know the answer, right? So I don't know. I can't sit here and, and, and ask you to, uh, to to answer a question looking okay. for a specific answer. I just want to hear what you would do, right? And many times the kind of case questions that we answer, ask in these settings okay. um, are real questions that we're working on now. Got it. Right. And it's not dangerous in terms of confidentiality. It's it, right. it's not something that's that's groundbreaking right. in terms of the, the kind of problem it is, right? Mm -hmm. 
It could just be something as simple as how can we be more efficient with our writers, mm. right? How can we reduce our, our fraud or something uh. like that? And it just shows you, okay, well, you know, this is how I would think about it, or at least this is how I would do it if I was internally. And if you like that workflow, if you like that approach, you know, this person's probably going to bring something similar to the right. table that you will like in a, in a, in a very similar problem solving setting. Got it. Now, um, Martin, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, when you're country head of something or you're, you're the captive and ship, you have to have a certain flow or a certain edge in how you do your, 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 your hustle and whatnot. Walk me to your daily routine, your daily grind. What, what's, what, what do you do first? What's, what, what do you like, focus on? How do you manage a team? How do you make sure every, every single uh, nuts and bolts is, are, 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 are moving in the right direction? You know, I, I hate to keep parroting back some of the same answers, but right. it really comes down to the, to, to the measurables for me, right? Got it. So the first thing I do in the morning is, you know, jump on my phone and I check the numbers, right? Wow. Like the day before, right? Wow, okay. And... Um, that kind of tells you what your day is going to be like, right? Because ultimately, it starts with the high-level measurables, right? What was volume like the day before? Um, what is our backlog looking Kay. like, right? Um, and then once you start seeing red flags, it helps you begin to drill down across the organization as far as what's going wrong, wow. right? And then that, I think, helps focus not just your attention, but your team's attention, right? So um, when, when you have a startup and you have limited resources and you're, you're fighting against big guys, Okay. You have to focus on those most important things. Got it. And if you waste time by, by solving problems that maybe aren't so material or sure. aren't so impactful, you'll pay for it down the road, right? Sure. And you'll have left something that's meaningful and addressed. Correct. So in this way, I try to make sure that we are, are, are focused, right? And I think that's the main role of, of, of the CEO or of the country head, right? Correct. Is to understand what are those most important things, act as that North Star for the business, and try Got to it. keep everything on rails, Right. Mm. Ultimately, I think as the bigger the organization has gotten, yeah. you know, I found that my role, you know, in terms of direct involvement with operations, with yeah. the business has diminished. Correct. Because you're now going to go, you're going to go up into yeah. this hot air balloon, literally looking at a macroscopic True. view. I mean, yeah. but still numbers. Yeah. Right. But not involved in the trenches as much anymore. Yeah. Right. When, when we used to have problems back in the day, when we were backlogged in, the, in year one, right. right? the solution was, okay, finance, HR, get up. We're all going downstairs. We're going to the warehouse. Oh, wow. And, With you. Yeah. And we're all going to start sorting oh, parcels. Shoot. Right? That's hustle yeah. itself right there. So, uh, you know, I remember right. one of the things that we did early on was, was again, in this kind of fail fast but fail cheap kind of right, mentality, right. we were running through these different kind of logistics businesses we could do. Got we it. got into this mailer business with one client. Got it. And, you know, they weren't able to pass information digitally to us. Oh, wow. So we were sitting there manually encoding tens of thousands of, 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 <laughs> oh my of, of, God. of envelopes, you know, just to eject into our system and run this Ooh, concept. Right. And I remember sitting there until like 3, 4 a.m. typing oh in addresses my until my eyes bled, right? <laughs> um, but the, the, the turning point for me with this came, you know, around Chinese New Year last year. I remember this CNR, very vividly. Right. There was a big sale. Okay. Um, we, had, we had scaled a lot that Christmas. Right. And then, um, you know, we, 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 were, we were in backlog, probably the worst backlog percentage we've ever been in in, wow. in the history of the business. And so my, my, my instinct was, okay, rally the troops. Everybody get in your cars. We're driving down to the warehouse, and we're all going to sort parcels. Oh, wow. And, you know, to the credit, team's credit, you know, a lot of people showed up, right? A lot of people showed up in their sports gear, and, you know, we're right. sorting parcels for, like, eight hours. Right. And, you know, I remember being there at like 11 p.m. and looking back at me at the massive mountain of parcels, looking Shit. across at my team and how tired everybody was. Right. And then realizing like, hey, this isn't how we solve problems anymore. Got right. It. The, the same strategy that, that worked in year one won't, won't cut it in year three. Yeah. So sweat right. equity, you know, doesn't, doesn't always get it done. Right. Okay. And ultimately putting everybody in the best position to succeed is yes. actually a much better use of my time and of, of my team's time. Correct. Right. So, you know, instead of having finance come down, can we 
insulate operations from certain issues that finance has been you know popping up to them or something like that or solve problems for them got it or can hr help with hiring or diagnosing where the bottlenecks are got that it. cause this backlog right can can the sales team mm-hmm. um, work with our clients to kind of cap volume in certain areas right mm-hmm. so there was all these different levers that you know i had to start thinking about to nice. help the business succeed you know that didn't yeah. involve again me getting in a car and delivering parcels or going <laughs> down and sorting parcels right so you know ultimately i think that maturity of mentality is really important sure. as you get bigger but also understanding you know when you're at that point okay. at some point you have to pay your dues absolutely right? yeah. um you know i think uh I was, I was fortunate enough to meet fred levy the 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 fred, yeah, fred right from, right from the from the cash uh, cash yeah cash cash right. and the gcash team now right and you know it was one of my first experiences with meeting somebody on the, on the ground after moving back right and he was asking about the business how things were going and he was laughing at all these little you know anecdotes and stories and problems right, i was right. having and, you know, one thing that really stuck with me that Fred told me was uh, something he calls the toilet paper rule, which okay. is as the as CEO, if you don't think about putting toilet paper in the bathroom, nobody will. Yes. And, you know, really, it was, you know, it's funny, but at the same time, it, it, it really kind of captures a lot of that early experience, right? Which is that if, if you have to be very conscientious in thinking about the needs of your employees, right. thinking about the needs of the business overall. Right. And it's not just about, you know, what your KPIs are, right? It's about yeah. everything else underlined. That also makes the, the intangibles. Yeah, 100%. That, that's a lot. Because at 100%. the end of the day, the, the, you can't just base it off of numbers. There's, the, these are people. And you, you can't manage metrics the same way you manage people. Totally. Now, let, that's my segue here. How do you, what's your management style like now in terms of managing these people? Are you... Are you a control freak or are you like a ninja control freak? You, you don't really <laughs> let them know. And that's just what I told them, my team. It's like, you know, guys, I let, I let you guys get away with a lot of shit. Yeah. But don't, know, don't, don't think that I don't know. I know everything because yeah. I was a bad employee when I was in your shit. So I know the game before you even tried it. Right. right? But I let you get away with it because I trust you. And at the end of the day, you're going to do your shit. For you, how, how do you manage your team? Yeah, you know, I think... Um, Ultimately, it's not about you. Can, you can't be very prescriptive in, sure. in this kind of business. Again, right. if you don't know what the end state is, or uh-huh. maybe you have an idea of the end state, but you don't know what the path is going to be, right. right? And part of this hiring approach of hiring for strong problem solvers, yeah. um, you know, naturally you have to let them do their thing, right? You have Correct. to let them problem and solve and let them fail too, right? And let right. them fail because right. that's again how things happen. Correct. And I think as a manager, your job is more to try to keep the guardrails up so that that the impact of that failure maybe is controlled or Correct. minimized, or at least they fully understand the, the repercussions of certain decisions that, that are it. being made. But ultimately, I think uh, the way that we like to manage people is to mm. sort of prescribe an endpoint, right? This is where ah. we're going, right? You need to get us here, right? And then the question is, what do you need to do to get us there, right? Or what, what do you type need of resources, us to get there? support, yeah. and whatnot? Got it. All right. Now I'll have to ask you a few hustle questions or hustle tips. Let's pay it forward sure. to the listeners because this is our um, season finale. We're going to be gone gone for a while, but not too long. Sure. Uh, but I want to make sure that whatever you listen to here is enough to cover for that time that we're not going to be around. All right. I, I want to know um, about your networking uh, or the way you network. Right. You always have that that good support system around you. What's your philosophy and how you network and make sure you maximize every opportunity that's available for you? Yeah, um, you know, I think I've been really fortunate based on the people that I've encountered throughout my career right. and, and, and sort of what these guys have gone on to do. Right. It's allowed me to kind of also expand my network and connect with better people. Okay. Um, but I think first and foremost, it starts with the work that you do, right? Okay. So people want to be connected with people that do good work. And ultimately, I think that's the thing that I found to be most enriching for me myself personally and most most gratifying for myself personally is having people come up to me and say, hey, wow, you know, I, I, you're, you're the Ninja Van guy. That's great. You know, it's awesome. I'm so, I'm so excited about what you guys are doing in the market. Right. And so for me, I think creating that reputation, the credibility around yourself yes. is, is key, 
right? But also nurturing the relationships that you do have mm-hmm. is also, you know, is, is extremely important, right? Because these, these are the guys that are, that are going to go out and advocate for you, Got right? It. So like you said, you know, Brian was the guy who referred me for, right, for, right, for right. this, this, this uh, podcast slot, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I think it's, it's great that he's always been in my corner. It, you know, I, I really appreciate having, yeah. having him at my back when, when these things come. Mm-hmm. And having guys like him and Paolo to ask it, you know, advice from along the mm-hmm. way has been, you know, really helpful for me as a young mm-hmm. CEO. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, in terms of education, because you said you, you've come through, you know, marketing and whatnot. How do you now learn key things that will help? Because as a, as a founder, as a CEO or the leader of the captain of the ship, right? Nobody, nobody has a playbook, yeah. right? And we're going to fuck up a lot, right? For you, what's your, your MO when it comes to learning new things and how you implement them to your team? Yeah. So, you know, I think, first of all, especially on the team level, it, it starts with, you know, the kind of people that you bring to the organization, right? Got it. So we talked earlier about one of the things that we value as a business, which is problem-solving ability. Got it. I think another thing that we value would be really high EQ and, and self-awareness, yes. right? You, nobody likes working with, you know, somebody who thinks they know everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think naturally people who think they know everything aren't good problem solvers because they're very prescriptive in terms of the kind of solutions that that they think they bring to the table or the thing they need to bring to the table. Okay. So I think when you have that kind of high EQ base, it naturally lends you to also being a, a good learner. Right. And someone who's very open to new ideas, new perspectives. Right. Right. Ultimately, empathy plays a big role in terms of good problem solving. Right. right? Putting yourself in another person's exactly. shoes. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and most of the time, that's the customer. For us, we have two kinds of customers. Okay. We have the shippers and we have their customers, the okay. consignees. So we have to kind of understand what their needs are and what their challenges are mm-hmm. so that we can better and we can improve the product every day. Got right. It. And for me, that's where most of my learning comes from Got is it. in hearing feedback from my customers, no matter how painful it may be. Right. My parcel was late. You missed my, my, my son's birthday. You know, things like this right. happen quite often, unfortunately. Right. And it's something that we have to internalize and understand. You know, the, the fact that we missed the birthday isn't the lesson, but right. you know, why did we miss it, right? What yeah. happened along the Cold, way? Cold, hard truth. Yeah. And how, right. yeah, how, can, how can we improve, right? Absolutely. Because if everyone's blowing, you know, sunshine and rainbows up your butt, then, you know, of course, <laughs> you know, you're going to think we're, we're so great. Nothing needs to change. Right. Let's keep doing everything. And then that's how you stagnate. That's how you fail. Correct. And because it, your, your head grows as well at For the sure. same time. For sure. Okay. Now, last few questions. In terms of numbers and analytics, what's one metric that no matter if if, if – if shit hits the fan and, you know, I don't care what happens, there's the one metric that I care about more than anything and why? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the big ones for us, and it's kind of a funny one, is called, uh, we call it CMI rate. CMI. It's a, What's it's CMI? A, it's a very uh, casual term. It's okay. uh, it stands for cannot make it. Ah. So basically, um, <laughs> the, this is one of those things that, that is kind of a backstop in terms of how, whether or not our technology is working, whether or not we have right. certain, or think about certain variables the right way. Okay. But essentially, the, the CMI rate helps us understand if we've overloaded a rider. Right. Ah. So um, if a rider can't complete his route in the day, meaning right. he can't make a quality attempt on every parcel that's in his pack, Got he'll it. have to CMI everything else. Right? Shoot. Yeah, so that's if, it. If this, we, is, this is yeah. where I stop. Yeah. So the okay. CMI rate helps us understand, again, if we've made the right decisions along the way, okay. if the rider's too overloaded, okay. it means we're overextending ourselves. Right. We need True. to either hire more, we need to slow down growth, or we need to add more stations. Got it. We need to reinforce the network somewhere. Okay. Um, but basically, it's kind of one of those governing audit factors that we look at quite frequently. That's awesome. And how do you measure that? Is there a certain metric that you look, or just really like, all right, if there's too many CMIs, and all right, we're 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 yeah. we're, we're gonna have a to see the effect of that down the road. Well, it's not gonna be. Dis- it, it'll 
it'll depend on you know the, the extent of the problem, right? Got if you're looking it. at like a massive network-wide CMI right, right. issue, that means you're massively overloaded, oh, right? Shoot. right? You're massively overrouting everybody, which means there's too many parcels at each station, which means you're inbounding too much stuff. Okay. So it's a huge systemic problem. Right. But it can also be very directional. Okay. So it can help us identify which stations are overloaded or are underbuilt. Got it can it. help us identify riders that are underperforming or are lazy. Right. Mm. So if you are CMI, that's a people component of it, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you're CMI, a lot of stuff at like three in the afternoon. Ah, uh, shoot. Well, come on, guys. We have six more hours in the delivery day. Correct. Let's keep. Let's get back to work. Right? Absolutely. But if you're CMIing a ton of stuff at eleven p.m., it tells right. you something else, right? Okay. So it's also context driven. There's a lot of of, of information right. here that helps. And there's a lot of whys also that you need to ask when yeah. you see that TMI. Yeah. And that's something that, that that's also deeply empowered by the tech piece, right? Because it. it's impossible to manage this okay. um, in real time. With, with this richness of data that is described, unless everything is happening in literally in real time, right? And through, through an app-based environment. Okay, now last question, sure. um, Martin, before we wrap this really amazing, I'm, I'm literally blown away with all the amount of learnings. And I'm gonna keep listening to this as, as I edit it down the road, or I mean the next couple of days. But Martin, I'm curious, what's the best advice you've received and from whom and from, what, what was the advice? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that really stuck with me was something that my dad told me as a kid. And okay. this wasn't really managerial advice, but it, but it became managerial advice like down, you know, down the road. Got it. And it's something that I often tell to my, tell my team, right? Okay. And that's, um, you know, I can't help if you don't tell me if you have a problem, right? So basically he said, if, 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 if you tell me, it's our problem. If you don't, it's your problem. God. And I think as a manager, it's something that, that really stuck with me, right? Because especially at this level of organizational size and scale. Right. You know, I can't be on the ground with everybody. I can't be in touch with every problem anymore. Okay. And what frustrates me the most is when um, somebody needs my help, but they, they bury something because they're, they're afraid of, right. of right. You know, the repercussions. The they sugarcoat it. Right. And so for me, it, it swings both ways, right? One is empowering your people to bring and surface those problems to you. Okay. But on the other side is creating an environment and being the kind of manager where people feel comfortable enough to- Come clean. Yeah, to come right. clean and right. open up, right? And let's not be afraid of failure, right? Let's not be afraid of screwing up. It's right. something, it's, it's how we learn, right? Got it. So the, the other thing I always tell the team is don't make the same mistake twice, right? Yes. So you know, it's okay to screw up, just never the same way twice. Right. Fool me one time, shame on you. That's right. <laughs> Fool me that's twice. Right. All right, that's that's on you already. But all right, thank you very much, Martin. Sure. This is an Thanks, amazing Martin. gold episode. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a lot of learnings. But uh, guys, guys, thank you very much again for sticking out. 37 episodes of of something we've done since March one. I didn't feel like 37 episodes is it was too too quick. But we'll take a break from this point. But don't forget that we're going to be back. So for you guys that want to get first tips on what we're going to be doing next, please join us on the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Just look it up. And then also message us on m.me slash Hustle Share powered by chatbot.ph because we're going to be giving you a lot of insider information when we're going to be back and what we're going to be doing. And guys, I'll see you guys in the next season. Peace.